Yeah, because when you're sort of when a child is like watching YouTube, it's a passive experience. You know, there's so many moving images, and they're tracking, and they're they they enjoy it and they love it, mm -hmm. and that, that that sort of serves its purpose. But with the, you know what I love with remembering my children is like I, they would like sit in their cribs and they would hold the books and they would flip the pages and flip the pages at their pace, mm -hmm. and they would track the images and they would and you know it was their yeah. sort of way of being more active versus passive. Welcome to this week's episode of the Assyrian Podcast, everyone. It is so good to be with you again. This is Ninorta, and today's guest is a super mom of three boys that saw a need for children's sturdy board books within the Assyrian community. Julia Sorishu Rogers worked tirelessly to write farm animals, Chaywatit Chakla, and also my Assyrian language alphabet, Atwatit Lishani Alturaya. Julia used a familiar poetic style found in popular English alphabet books that allows for children to broaden their Assyrian and English vocabulary. Julia's own illustrations feature recognizable animals, everyday objects, and memorable images that reflect the Assyrian heritage. Both of these books were written in Assyrian, English, and an easy-to-read transliteration. In this episode, you'll hear how Julia came up with the idea to write these books and also why she no longer produces them. We hope that this episode will inspire new ideas for teaching the Assyrian language to our children. Support for this week's episode of the Assyrian Podcast is brought to you by Tony Caligaracos and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that's been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caligaracos. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at injuryrights.com or at 847-982-9516. Support is also brought to you by John Oshana. John is a real estate professional in Arizona and California. Whether you're thinking about buying or selling real estate in Arizona or California, put John's proven track record to work. John's focus is residential, multi-units, and commercial properties. Check John out on Facebook.com slash John O'Shana Realtor or Instagram at John.Oshana. Contact him today at 209-968-9519. And now, here is Julia. Julia, thanks so much for being here and joining us on the Assyrian Podcast you have created two Assyrian children's books. Tell That's us right. about that. Yeah, so um, when I became a, a mother uh, to my twins, this was back in 2012, I had three kids at the time. And as a young mom, I was thinking, you know, what should I do with sort of my extra time? I spent a bulk of my time just being a stay-at-home mom and just, you know, keeping up with my three kids. And we would often go to the library as a way to just pass the time. Mm -hmm. And so when we went to the library um, one of those days, I, we went to the bilingual um, language section mm -hmm. and I saw like bilingual English Korean books, English Vietnamese books, and yeah. even more obscure languages. And that's when it really hit me. Like, why aren't there more um, bilingual Assyrian English books? Mm -hmm. Or why aren't there any? At the time there were, I think Sada was maybe the only book yeah. that was 
for know. the listeners that don't know Sada, what it's uh, it's another book written, I think, by um, it's by Ramel uh, Benyamino. Benyamino. Yeah, yeah. So it means the moon, and it's it was a really good book, but mm-hmm. I think there weren't too many others like that. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted board books because my kids were very little, um, and they were very they just destroyed paperbacks. If a paperback came in their hands, they chewed it, and you know mm-hmm. destroyed it very quickly. So. What's a board book? Sure, a board book has um, sturdy uh, pressed pages, so they're virtually indestructible, at least like in the short term. Yeah. So if you... essentially, like a cardboard. Right, yeah. right. So the hard pages, um, you know, really just perfect for uh, toddlers and even babies. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, after that library visit, it really just hit me. You know, why not have a board book for Assyrians mm-hmm. for the Assyrian market? And so. Yeah, at the time I was a stay-at-home mom, I knew nothing about self-publishing, and that's when I just started the research and trying to figure out, you know, how to create a board book. Mm -hmm. And I found out that really there's no American producer of board books. You have to get them published in China, printed in China, and assembled there. And so that meant, you know, um, a big financial responsibility up front, like having to sort of finance a large purchase of books Mm -hmm. versus what's now more popular, which is print on demand. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of Assyrian publishers that self-publish, but they're, they're on Lulu or they're on Amazon. And so you just, you order their book and it's sort of print on demand mm-hmm. and there's very little overhead mm-hmm. other than creating your digital file and uploading it to mm-hmm. those companies. And so I found a printer called Print Ninja in Evanston, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And they were sort of the middleman between um, myself and the Chinese, uh, the manufacturer. And so basically, I, so I found, you know, an entity that would work with me, like low volume, you know, publisher, not somebody large scale. Um, and that was really like the main obstacle, like who would print this book? And so after I figured that portion out, then I thought, well, what's my vision? You know, what's, what do I, you know, what do I want to put in front of an Assyrian child? Mm-hmm. And so at the time, I feel like, you know, with babies, especially, you always talk about animal sounds, you know, mm-hmm. cow goes moo, um, <laughs> sheep goes ba. So I felt like which was my first book, was like the most intuitive of you know, thing to do because mm-hmm. every kid is learning animal sounds. Mm-hmm. And so and then I found out that Assyrian animal sounds are a little bit different than English animal sounds. <laughs> Give us an example because I want to know how an Assyrian cow goes um, moo versus an English cow. <laughs> well, you know, a rooster says cock-a-doodle-doo, but okay. in Assyrian, I have it as <laughs> And I just can't believe I did that on a Assyrian podcast, but I did. <laughs> So, um, and a dog perfect. goes bark, bark in English, but uh-huh. in Assyrian, it's how-how. So, yeah, how-how. So yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So, there, so, um, so, Chaywata is, um, a farm animal's book. Mm-hmm. And my goal was not to just do a picture of a farm animal and the word right beneath it. Because certainly a lot of board books for babies are written in a very simple way, like large image, one word, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I wanted there to be a little bit more of a value added you know, part of the book. So I wanted it to be sort of like this book that we love, my kids love, which was called A is for Apple. And it was, you know, it would go like this. It was like A is for Apple that I like to bite, B is for bear who I cuddle at night. So I was trying Mm -hmm. to like make it somewhat rhythmic. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Um, That was, uh, that was more for the alphabet book. I followed rhythm for the alphabet book. Even for Chaywata Tukla, I tried to make it a little bit rhythmic, a little bit um, incorporating a rhyme scheme. Yeah, like for rooster, it says, I'm a rooster, see my red crest. Every morning I cry and awaken the folks at home. <laughs> right, right. But in, in suited, it's a little bit more 
um, yeah. rhythmic. So the rhyme is not perfect. Yeah, and, let's do um, Yeah, so in a Syrian, I'm going to go to the Karbalti Smokta, Kul Sapra, Ki Sarchen, Riki Riki, Uki Morushan Nashid Beta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very exactly. nice. <laughs> That's exactly. Um, so there's a little bit of a rhythm to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having a rhyme scheme makes the text more memorable. Yeah. But some of the feedback I received for Khawat al was, you know, largely positive feedback. But then some of my friends said, look, Julia, this is a little too hard to read. The words are hard. Well, I mean, I, I was going to comment on this later on, but so you have the text written in English, like like the, the rooster page where I said, I'm a rooster. So that's in English. Mm-hmm. And then you have in Assyrian, in Assyrian writing, ana iwan qaruya. And then mm-hmm. underneath that, you have it in phonetic, mm-hmm. ana iwan qaruya, like spelled out, A-N-A-E-W-I-N. You know, so even if somebody doesn't know how to read Assyrian, Assyrian, they can read it phonetically and then they'll learn it in Assyrian, Assyrian, mm-hmm. which is really, really cool. Right, right. So even coming up with this phonetic standard, I was a little bit uh, confused about what approach to use. Mm-hmm. So um, some Assyrians, like certainly you, we've all seen Assyrian typed out in English letters mm-hmm. on Facebook or social media. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to find like a more consistent standard. So I used like a Library of Congress standard. Mm-hmm. And so some people told me, you know, these phonetic markers are not very intuitive. It's not a very easy way to read Assyrian transliteration. Yeah. But I, I just got the recommendation to use a standard versus sort of the more ad hoc yeah. transliteration. Very cool. And then what about the, the alphabet book? So pretty much the same with the phonetics written out and then it's just... Yeah, so with the Chaywat with, um, al I got a lot of... The vast majority of reviews were positive, mm-hmm. which was really sweet. Like, you know, here I am, someone who's not an Assyrian scholar, someone who lives in Virginia, someone who married a non-Assyrian, and I and here's my stab at like an Assyrian book. But so I was a little bit nervous about how it would be received, but by and large, you know, it was well received. But I had one of my cousins tell me, she's like, you know, Julia, I think like um, the children in the book should be a little bit more lively. So the next time you, you know, paint pictures or illustrate. She's like, try to make them a little bit more lively. She said they were stiff. I think that was her words. I'm not going to name my cousin who told me that. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, you know what? I welcomed that feedback because most people were complimentary and hardly Mm -hmm. anyone said, well, the only two sort of negative things were, you know, change your illustration and approach and make the book, your next book a little bit easier to read. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I can, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And so after farm animals, I thought, thought, well, what's the next best thing but the alphabet. alphabet, And so around 2016, which is when this book came out. So one friend of mine said, this is like the year of the Assyrian alphabet because um, there was an alphabet app that came out. There's the alphabet puzzles, mm-hmm. alphabet blocks. Mm-hmm. So there was just a surge of alphabet products. The more the merrier, right? In the right? very small Assyrian children's, you mm-hmm. know, book and toy market. Mm-hmm. So it was funny, but my approach to the alphabet book was to, um, to once again have a board book because, you know, they're mm-hmm. sturdy. I, I did go a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. I felt bigger was better this time around. And I totally changed the images. I wanted them to be more... Um, more relatable to children. Mm-hmm. So farm animals are not as relatable, but mm-hmm. uh, this book, I really wanted it to be relatable. Mm-hmm. So for instance, the, you know, the picture of children, I, I have, you know, I totally changed the way I painted children. Mm-hmm. There are, uh, you know, one child is holding their cosita, 
the other child is sticking his tongue out, and so it's a little bit more natural. He's sticking his tongue out for li, for Lamma, for, for Lishani. Li exactly, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I, I appreciated the feedback I got in the first with the first book, and mm-hmm. I really tried to you know refresh the second book. Very nice. And you drew all of the illustrations. I did, yeah. So basically for both books, this is super low-tech. I'm not a very, um, you know, Photoshop or... I, I wish I was, but I'm not. So I basically just storyboarded the whole the book. Basically, I sort of laid out what I wanted to do. Then I sort of tried to pin down the text and get clean up the text to make sure everything was grammatically correct and we weren't using borrowed words. That was a very hard part because mm-hmm. we have a lot of borrowed words in our language. Yes, we do. And so after um, storyboarding and pinning, you know, getting the text edited and sort of locked in and, and confirmed by editors, um, then I painted each picture and then I scanned the pictures, mm-hmm. uploaded it to InDesign. And then added the text underneath. Okay. So it's not—it's not like I—I I used a you know really cool um, software application to do this. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Super low tech. What uh, what I found really cool was at the back of both books you have reading tips mm-hmm. for babies, what to do for toddlers, for preschoolers. Can you kind of go into a little bit about that? Sure. So for the alphabet book. My editor, I, I had several people look at this book um, to give me feedback. My primary uh, editor was, I would say, was Michael, Robbie Michael Yonan of Mariosa Parish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he said, Julia, why not just do, um, like, let's say for Chabusha. He said, why not just draw Chabusha, like one apple, versus what I did, which is draw a little girl holding an apple, mm-hmm. and then there's several apples next to her. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, I don't want the book to be too simple like habusha one apple and then the word habusha underneath and then the text mm-hmm. i wanted the child to sort of look for the habusha where is the habusha on the page yeah and so the, the child will sort of see like oh the girl is holding one yeah. and then maybe as the child gets older maybe when they're two or three they're counting the apples so i wanted uh, i wanted nice. the, the book to also have a counting aspect too mm-hmm so for um, same thing for Zaya, which is chicks. Yeah, I didn't draw one chick. I drew three with the hope that the child is not only learning the word. Dla mm-hmm. Zaya. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and then counting them. Yeah. So th- and that's what we do with my kids. We constantly we're counting, and yeah. so um, I tried to incorporate that in the book. So that's where I, I wanted the book to sort of flex and and you know be appropriate for a baby. Um, and, and then toddlers and then preschoolers and as you know as a child becomes more sophisticated they can like count they can look for background images mm-hmm. so for for instance for the the page for habawa which is for the letter head you know i drew a bumblebee mm-hmm. i wanted the child to sort of see oh look there's a little bumblebee in the picture mm-hmm. too so Debashan. yeah so so a lot of thought yeah went into the details of creating these Yes. These books. And really, the challenge for Atwatat Lishan Yasuraya was, yes, I made the book bigger, but I was trying to not crowd the book with text. Mm-hmm. And that becomes challenging. I didn't want it to be text heavy. I wanted the pictures to pop. Yep. So, so the layout was actually really, really tough. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not like super good at these things, but I was. that's what I really focused on. So I wanted... The Assyrian word to be prominent, the transliteration to be underneath, and you know, um, 
But mainly, I, I did not want to compromise with the pictures. I wanted the pictures to pop. Because mm-hmm. really, that's what children are drawn to. Yeah, that's true. They they look at the picture more than they, they do the words. Yeah, And, and actually, then they'll learn the words by looking at the picture. Exactly. Like memory. And I did get a few pictures of kids reading my book come in through Facebook. Mm-hmm. I probably got like five or six. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I think it was... Um, yeah, from, I think it was from Elaine Elkas who created the Assyrian puzzle. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a wooden puzzle. It's oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. So her, her child really liked this page because she would, you know, mimic sticking out her tongue. Oh, for, for Lishani. For Lishani, yeah. For Lishani. Yeah, exactly. So, and children do that. Like, very yeah. young children mirror uh, yes, images. So they do. When I got that picture, I felt validated. I was like, okay, <laughs> great. This, this played out as intended. And for Nuyne, um, for fish, you know, I, I use sort of like the Finding Nemo mm-hmm. clownfish. Yeah. So I try to improve, like, increase the relatability. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm happier, far more happier with Atwatat Lishani, Atraya versus Khewat yeah. Khapla. Khewat Khapla was a bit rough, but still very uh, well received in the community. Yeah. Well, you're also not like a for a is for a cobra, mm-hmm. um, but you also like write out a is for a cobra that is escaping the cat always, mm-hmm. like biryaka min qatu hamasha. So they're not just learning a cobra; they're learning qatu and they're learning you know other other words as well, like right. within the illustration. Right. Exactly. And so I, I color coded the word that's being taught on the page so that. Whoever's reading the book can fo- track the word from written Assyrian mm-hmm. to the transliteration and to just, I would yeah. say, just a regular English, um, you know, English version of our word. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, here with Spadiata, the page for pillows, you know, put, yeah. put in yeah, a, a little lamasu you know, in the background, like that's a typical Assyrian home. Yeah, you know, but again, I, I didn't want to overload my pictures. So... For instance, for Shimsha, Shimsha was tough for me to draw mm-hmm. because if you look at a children's book, Shimsha, sun, the word sun is not, it's usually like a yellow ball, smiley face. It's sort of like mm-hmm. very simple graphics and, you know, but I was like, well, my, my book is more natural. It's not like sort of, a, you know, graph, um, like clip art or like, yeah. you know, so I figured, well, I, I I don't want to make it too abstract or too literal, so I figured this would be appropriate, which is like, you know, for those who haven't seen this page, it's a picture of like two zebra on sort of a savanna, mm-hmm. and there's like a bright sun, but it's not like a perfect little sphere with like perfect rays sticking mm-hmm. out. Yeah, and so um, I this is one of my favorite pictures. Um, this is the page for Sliwa, for Sade, mm-hmm. and I really like this picture because I borrowed this image from my friend. My friend um, took her daughter to um, Easter Mass one day, and I, I saw on Facebook, she has this adorable picture of her daughter wearing a yelichan holding a sleeve with Oshana. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm using that for my picture. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, but I really like this picture because it ties in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not just Sliwa, which is, you know, I guess a more literal book would just be a Sliwa and that's it. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be a conversational yeah piece for you know between the parent and the child or the grandparent yeah. and the child yeah that's very nice mm-hmm. yeah like why is she wearing a lukta? exactly or what is she holding mm-hmm. and what's is that a real cross is... what's that in the background yeah. those are palms what are palms and you know mm-hmm. very nice 
So it kind of goes more depth, more in depth than farm animals and alphabet. I think so. I think, alphabet. The, I think the alphabet book is more relatable. There are there are things that kids like, for instance, um, Kop. You know, Kop was a hard. Some of these letters, some of our letters, I I, I struggled with what word to associate with the letter, and so. Um, you know, maybe for Qob, most people wouldn't think of Qasr al-Khiza, which is sandcastle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I was like, I need to find a word that's relatable to the child. And yeah. so um, I, for, I forgot what other Qob um, words I came up with, like maybe a qanke. But I was like, well, qanke yeah. is like yeah. not what a child would respond to yeah. so much. And so, you know, that was the goal, finding words that yeah. the child can relate to. Yeah. I struggled with Zen too. Zen, you know, someone said, "Why not Zuza?" I was like, mm. "Yeah." I wanted to keep it. It's not relatable to a child yeah, quite not, yet. Not yet. <laughs> Eventually. So um, I that was also part of it too, trying to find like the right word. Mm-hmm. And so, um, of course, I included some, you know, Christian themes. And so for Resh, I really like, you know, Ayatollah, mm-hmm. the Good Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially because this is such a like a gentle you know picture of you know, Christ holding um, a sheep. So, mm-hmm. who helped you you know bring these books to life? I, I hope I remember everyone because it has been a while, and I definitely received a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because um, you know this was not easy for me. I'm not an Assyrian linguist or scholar by any measure. I just had more of the vision. Mm-hmm. I had, I knew what I wanted, but how, yeah. how to get there was really tough. Yeah. So I would say um, definitely um, Robbie Michael Yonan, you know, kind of Michael Yonan. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I saw him on AMB once years and years ago, and I sort of tracked him down, and he said, "Absolutely, I'll help you." He was so generous with his time, and we would like um, I would send him a printed copy, and he'd mark it up in red ink and mail it back to me. <laughs> so. When I got it back, it was covered in red ink. It was almost everything <laughs> was wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I felt like I was in school again. But it was worse. It was worse than everything I, you know, lots of corrections needed. So, um, Rami Michael helped a lot. Um, Dr. Eden Nabi, of course, through her, the Nabi Fry Syrian Fund for Culture, mm-hmm. she um, provided funding for both, for both projects, both mm-hmm. books. Uh, my friend, dear friend, Dr. Alza Benjamin, mm-hmm. um, she was very, very, um, not only did she help with editing, but she was like pushing me, like, do it, do it. Don't let this project go. Mm-hmm. Like she was a motivator. And so she edited, but also motivated. Cause I certainly wanted to give up at some points. Like, well, it's a little too hard. It's a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, Dr. Um, Ramina Jaju helped a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, uh, for the Atwata Dishani book and she helped with, um, providing some edits too. Mm-hmm. So I definitely leaned on experts to, make sure the text was correct. And I found out, I, I can't believe it's like this hard to write in English, as a Syrian. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not easy. It's not. No. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, those, um, those individuals, as well as my friends, like my friends who are new moms, mm-hmm. I'd show drafts to them and say, yeah. hey, what do you, what do you guys like and what don't you like? So I, I definitely mean on them. Got too. some feedback from them. Mm-hmm. And my, my parents as well. My dad was um, a teacher in Iraq. And mm-hmm. so he helped as well. He helped me with some tips and, um, words to use, words not to use. Nice. If somebody wanted to purchase these books, where would they be able to, to do so? Well, so I was distributing on Amazon and um, I did that through an LLC. I set up a, a Syrian Books LLC. Um, but then 
over time, um, especially since you know I ch transitioned from being a stay-at-home mom to working um, full time, I, I I had to sort of you know confront the decision: Am I going to keep my business open or close it? So I ended up closing my business just because there were certain administrative and financial things to keep up with that I just really lacked the time to do. Mm -hmm. So I, I had an initial inventory that I personally sold out of. So it's, I'm no longer on Amazon. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, my page is still up there, but I, you know, you can't buy a book there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so there are a handful of Assyrian churches that I sold to over the years mm -hmm. that may still have copies, but I haven't followed up to see mm -hmm. if they still do. So I believe, um, AUAF in Chicago and Lincolnwood may still have copies of Atwat Dishani al but I'm not entirely sure. As well as Marangerius in Chicago, Mats Mariam in Los Angeles, and then Mariosev in San Jose. Okay. So I sold to those churches, but I'm not sure if you know what the remaining inventory is. Okay. So if somebody wanted to get these books, they would have to go to one of the, the either the AUAF in Chicago or one of these churches that you, you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So you're no longer doing this project. I, I'm not. And um, part of the problem was um, it became a time issue. And then, um, uh, and then the question of keeping up with a business as a sole mm -hmm. um, proprietor of an LLC, mm -hmm. which isn't a heavy lift, but it became um, a little too difficult for me to keep up with. And yeah. so... I think the more scalable model for creating a Syrian children's books is um, creating uh, like a nonprofit or, um, you know, maybe the Syrian organization should take that, you know, mm -hmm. could take that on mm -hmm. where they have, you know, a, a team, you know, to include like linguists and graphic designers and, you know, maybe mm -hmm. illustrators or whatnot. So I think a team-based approach is better than maybe what I did. Yeah. And so that's why... Um, I want, I ended up closing the business, mm -hmm. okay. which I feel sad about. <laughs> it is sad, but I think because we're having this conversation right now, maybe somebody that's listening is going to say, Hey, this is a pretty neat idea. I mm. want to, I want to start this up or I want to pick it up or I'll contact Julia and see, maybe we can, um, she can brainstorm some ideas with me or whatever it is. And that's the most important thing that we keep these things going, even though this is, you know, we have these books, these two books right now but maybe somebody will have another idea mm -hmm. you know and implement something else for for children's books so you know that's a very good point i have had people reach out to me and say hey i'm working on and mm -hmm. i won't say who but like uh they they said their work they have stuff in the works in the pipeline and they want to release their books so i i absolutely am like sure i will share my tips who mm -hmm. i went to as a printer mm -hmm. the editors i worked with i'm absolutely willing to share um you know, my experience so that someone may, you know, improve on my process or, you know, make things better. But mm -hmm. I, I definitely hope that this inspires other people to um, find out, find a more scalable way to create and sell children's books. Yeah. You know, with, with creating board books, they are a bit expensive. And one of the things I thought about is what is the price point for an Assyrian children's book? Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people are like, I'm not going to pay $20 for a kid's book. And then some people are like, well, why not? It's sturdy. You can yeah. probably pass it on to other family members. It's, it's sort of, it's going to last. Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit of issue around that. And I think if the price is lower, I think they'd sell more. Mm -hmm. And then there needs to be greater um, distribution efforts. And so, um, okay. so like Randia has a more established, far more established way of creating and distributing and marketing mm -hmm. um, their products. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know how much children's books typically cost. They're not 20 bucks. Not 20 bucks, no. much less than that. Okay. <laughs> Unless you're like collector books, but. Okay. But I, I think I, the first book I sold at like 17 mm-hmm. and then the second book I sold at like 15. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, that helped me clear um, my upfront costs. So with, with board books, you have to commit to, pay, to buying 525 books. Wow, up okay. front. So that takes up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they, they're heavy books, so they, they're a little bit more expensive to ship. Mm-hmm. So it's not as easy as print on demand. Mm-hmm. So, so that's where I feel like my model wasn't as scalable as mm-hmm. someone, another entity who might be willing to buy 2,000 books where the unit price is much, much less yeah. than what I bought the books at. Yeah. Do you see yourself creating something different in the future with educating young Assyrians? So I would love to. um, And I think throughout my life, I struggled with how much do I allocate, how much time do I give to creative endeavors, especially something like this versus Mm -hmm. just keeping up with life, keeping up with the needs of my children and my, you know, family and and my career. So I don't have anything planned um, in the near future. I think I would be more willing to be like a collaborator Mm -hmm. and support sort of someone else's project. But yeah, I don't have anything planned at this point. I I would personally like to see more board books out there because I think, especially with young children, Mm -hmm. holding a static book and being able to flip the pages, especially the Assyrian way of turning pages, you know, holding the book, uh, book, the Assyrian uh, orientation. I think that's really important because... Mm -hmm. Right to left versus exactly left to right. yeah because when you're sort of when a child is like watching YouTube, it's a passive experience. You know, there's so many moving images and they're tracking and they're, they they enjoy it and they love it mm-hmm. and that that sort of serves its purpose. But with you know what I love with remembering my children is like I, they would like sit in their cribs and they would hold the books and they would flip the pages and flip the pages at their pace mm-hmm. and they would track the images and they would and you know it was their yeah. sort of way of being more active versus passive and so you know i feel like the marketplace especially the assyrian kids um products marketplace we need everything we need apps yep we need our cartoons but we also need like word books i I really believe in like Mm -hmm. the printed word yeah and but unfortunately nowadays the printed word is just harder to get in front of a child in a cost-effective way yeah how has it been raising a bicultural family in virginia where there's not many Assyrians here? Yeah, that's a really good question. So uh, the Assyrian community in DC is small, but it's, uh, we try to stay active. We try to see each other every now and then. Um, and that's, that's my main way of like encouraging my kids to like learn about our culture. So when we, when we see other Assyrian families, we speak in Assyrian, we mm-hmm. try to have some Middle Eastern food, yeah. Assyrian food. But we just, we've, we've talked about bringing our kids together, but it's just so hard because we have families in Maryland, we have families in DC and then mm-hmm. in Virginia. And so we don't have a common space, a gathering space. Mm-hmm. So in Chicago, you have church. You have yeah. church is your gathering space. Yeah. And also like Shatafuta and all, yeah. like those. Yeah, Mutswa and um, all those Mutswa. places. Yeah, yeah. you have all, alternate sort of gathering places, but we don't have um, that sort of central location mm-hmm. that we can bring our kids and just you know teach them or do th- things like that mm-hmm. so that's that's a challenge um but i am trying to teach my kids you know about the assyrian culture you know both the civilization and um sort of, sort of like what's going on now like the hardships that we're facing now as mm-hmm. a people 
Um, I want them to be connected to that and have sort of sympathy and empathy for especially the difficulties we've recently experienced. Mm -hmm. I want them to have an affection for the language. Um, so we do watch like YouTube videos, especially like the funny Assyrian ones. I really love those. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I try to pass on Assyrian culture in, in some ways, but I, I know I could do a better job if I just focused on it more. Mm -hmm. so. I think you're doing a great job, especially with these with these books. Thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, I, I've had people I've had people buy my book from like Iowa. And I've always thought, like, who's buying my book in Iowa? Mm -hmm. But I think that there are um, people who are, you know, reconnecting to their Assyrian background. Maybe they're half Assyrian or whatnot. And they mm -hmm. even they, they're sort of excited about yeah. these products. So I, I was really, really happy to see, like, sort of my book go in places I didn't expect mm -hmm. to go. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. What's one thing that you want to say to our listeners? And we have listeners all over the world. One thing to say, wow. Um, well, it, first, can, it can be more than one thing, but sure. you know, most important thing. Well, first, um, I, I'm glad to hear that a Syrian podcast has worldwide listeners. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I, I want to make more time listening to it, and, and I hope people spend the time going through um, all the different stories and just hearing about all the different Assyrian people that make up our vibrant community. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's an incredible resource to have. Um, it's so easy to access. And I think that um, I, I just admire what a lot of Assyrians are doing around the globe, whether it's activism, whether it's entertainment and music, whether it's um, innovating in, you know, um, business or industry like you know we often talk about how bleak our you know current situation is especially in Atran and you know what's going on politically there but besides that you know which of course is very sad you know there there are some really positive and, and wonderful things happening in our community too we have a lot of very educated and successful Assyrians and many do give back many do support like the Assyrian Aid Society and mm -hmm. our NGOs mm -hmm. so while we have sort of this sad part of our current state of affairs there are so many wonderful things happening across the globe that our community is you know working hard every day to you know yeah. educate Assyrians create Assyrian music you know Assyrian art like it's a vibrant time for us as, at this time it's a great time to be a Syrian. I think so. I think so. I don't know if there was like the ideal time, a golden age for Assyrians, but I think this is a good time. It's, you know, parts of it, it's good. So. Yeah, absolutely. Julia, thank you so much for being on the Assyrian podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Assyrian podcast. We have a new episode every Tuesday. So if you love what you hear, please subscribe to us wherever you're listening. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.